You're now listening to the Live Different Podcast with Matt Wilson. What's up, Live Different Podcast listeners? It's Matt coming to you from Costa Rica with a conversation that I had with Jason Moore from Zero to Travel. I'm really pumped about this episode. But further than that, just hanging out with him was fun. But I am celebrating four years of podcasting. I have to say, I am pretty impressed with myself, but also just with the community that we've been able to build here on the Live Different Podcast through Under 30 Experiences as well. All the amazing people that I've had the opportunity to actually sit down with, people who I consider mentors, friends, people who are changing the world, experts in their field. I really just can't say enough about what I've gotten personally out of the podcast and not just in the tips and connections and all that from what I get from the people who we interview, but the process, doing something every single day for years or every single week almost. I mean, we're, I think this is episode 157, 158, over four years. That's pretty good, you know, 200 weeks or so. I haven't missed a lot of weeks, which is pretty awesome to be able to say, over four years. So I would encourage you, if you are looking to start a project, do it for the long term. So many people want to do the short term, get the social media post that goes viral or blah, blah, blah. But the payoff really, I believe, is in the process. The payoff's in the process. Doing it consistently and being able to podcast for years, that's pretty cool. Start your blog. Don't worry if you don't get it off the ground right away. Just write, just do it, just put out the content, just start the business and don't worry about becoming a millionaire off the bat. But one day, hey, you never know, stay consistent with it. That's how I approach this project. And I'm really happy that I did because I want to podcast for many years to come. And I just appreciate all of you for your support over the last four years. I'm going to be doing some more promotion around the podcast because this is just the beginning. We want to take this to the next level. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Reach out to me at Matt Wilson TV on Instagram, on Twitter, of course. I check in there once in a while. You can check out our new puppy. You can follow her on Instagram. She might be the cutest puppy that you've ever seen. All right, I'll stop talking. Let's get into the episode. Hit me up. Would love to hear from you. Thanks, everybody. You rock. Happy four years. Hello, everyone, and welcome. I'm your host, Matt Wilson, and today we are here with Jason Moore. He is a location-independent podcaster known for his popular podcast, Zero to Travel, where he teaches listeners to start with nothing and go anywhere. Anywhere. (laughs) I said anywhere when I got ahead of myself to talk about your location-independent community location (laughs) indie, where you have a community of people helping each other kick ass in business and travel. So before I fumble over my words anymore, Jason, welcome. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. By the way, do you have a nickname that friends call you or should I just read you as mad? I figured, hey, if you have a cool nickname, maybe we'll just rock that for this interview. Well, (laughs) I like it. You know, if you speak Spanish, you can call me Mateo. Okay. But if you don't speak Spanish, you can call me 
Mateo as well. I can still call you Mateo. Yeah. <laughs> okay. There. You, there you go. <laughs> Reserved for for mainly any any Spanish speakers uh, tend to go with that. So I've never been asked that. Uh, I don't think of it. I guess Matt is kind of a nickname. Only my mom calls me Matthew, but that's funny. <laughs> Does she call you that when you're in trouble? She's like Matthew, get in here. Is that just your regular? Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, regular, but of course I know when I'm, I'm in trouble actually. So uh, I'll share with you. When you're getting a stern talking to, then, then the longer form of names usually comes out, right? Yeah. And actually even my girlfriend reverts from Mateo, which is what she normally calls me. Uh, she's Uh, a native Spanish speaker. She reverts. She doesn't call me Matthew. That would be over the top. But when she calls me Matt, (laughs) I know I'm in trouble. It's, it's really funny. So do you guys speak Spanish together? Uh, quite a lot. Quite a lot. Yeah. I mean, we honestly, we go back and forth. We try to keep it 50-50, but it also depends where in the world we are. If we are in a Spanish-speaking country, our brains are more likely working in Spanish than they are in English. Uh, but if we're other places, I don't know, it's kind of complicated. I could talk about this all day, but you know, if we want to have a private conversation and we're traveling somewhere, of of course, then we can, we'll speak. So like if we're in a crowded restaurant and we're trying to have an intimate conversation, we'll, we'll speak in Spanish. Uh, around the house, it's usually, I don't know, domestic things. It's usually half and half. I'll, I'll speak to her in Spanish and she'll answer in English, which is, I don't know, kind of typical of a lot of couples as I understand. Yeah, well, my wife's Norwegian. I live in Norway. And I was just curious because I'm always saying, oh, we got to speak more Norwegian together because I, I have learned Norwegian to a certain level. And I know if I spoke with her all the time, I'd be rocking it. But we always revert to English. We're just a little bit, I'm just a little bit lazy in that way. Although I like to blame her. It is totally my my fault. <laughs> well, that's that's the issue. It's actually kind of a conflict in uh, <laughs> in our relationship because... I was like, all right, can you please answer me in Spanish? Because I can say anything that I want to. I'm really quite fluent in the language, but I like to learn new phrases. And I'm not going to learn anything new if I just regurgitate the stuff around the house that I already know. But if I listen to someone who's much more persuasive or or fluent than I am, then that's quite helpful. But uh, (laughs) that's that's just how it goes, I guess. (laughs) <laughs> For sure. Well, also, Norwegian people, I assume that y- your wife is quite fluent in English. And so when the level of conversation is better in a certain language, like, yeah, our English conversation is going to be better than our Spanish conversation. Yeah, that's exactly it. Like, you want to be able to express yourself to your fullest degree. And at the same time, I have this dream to be able to express myself in that way in Norwegian. But in order to get there, I have to not be able to do that for a while, right? Right. This is the same as business, I think. You know, if we talk location-dependent business and these types of things, there's always going to be these periods where it's sort of this middle ground where you're still fumbling. Well, you're always kind of fumbling around, right? I mean, it's going to be like that with anything, but there could be a lot of parallels between language learning and and life and business and all that sort of stuff. Sure, sure. No, I, I totally agree. And uh, I actually will get uh, not so much anymore. I can express myself the way I want to express myself in, in Spanish for the most part. But at first, when we'd have an important conversation in Spanish, I'd be like, I'd be really proud of myself, uh, which is kind of funny. Totally. I remember the first time I went to see my 
in-laws and they had a, a party and I was able to hang out and talk to them in Norwegian and be at a dinner party with other people I didn't know from the neighbors and whatnot and, and be able to converse with them and, and have a real conversation. And I was like, holy crap. I started patting myself on the back in my own mind, you know? Sure. <laughs> I didn't actually sit at the dinner table and start patting myself on the back. That would be weird. Or, or maybe it could be cool. I don't know. <laughs> depends on the company. Yeah, it d- depends. <laughs> exactly. Okay, Jason, I, I do want to ask you here, you have traveled all over the world in many different ways, including uh, you've been an event marketing tour manager, you've been an adventure travel guide, you've run online businesses, consulting. Obviously, you you just talked about living in Norway uh, and being married out there. That's another way to get a uh, international experience. That's for sure. Volunteering hitchhiking, car camping. You've done a lot. So could you fill everybody in on your quick story in case they don't know it? Oh, I think you just did. Uh, That's tough. Well, (laughs) you've done a lot of good stuff. Yeah. But yeah, how did it start? Yeah, sure. Just coming out of college back in the late 90s, Matt. Oh, man. Back in the late 90s. I probably shouldn't be allowed on this show, right? Just because I'm gone too far. You're certainly not under 30, but neither <laughs> am I. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> no, uh, I, like a lot of people, I just didn't know, you know, you come out with this degree and you're supposed to know what you want to do, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. And on top of that, I had a bunch of student debt over $20,000, in fact. So I only knew one thing. I wanted to travel. I wanted to take a trip to Europe and I wanted to do a backpacking trip. At the time, I just thought that was kind of a thing I would get to go do. And then I would have to come back and have a quote unquote, traditional life, whatever that means. So I started planning around that. And and then I thought, well, wait a minute, why don't I just try to find a job that can allow me to travel? And that way I I can travel and I can still pay my bills. And once I kind of made that shift, I just started looking at different opportunities. And that really opened up my mind to to new opportunities and trying to see what was out there in terms of travel-based work. And I ended up getting this gig in the event marketing industry, I was going to go, I don't they they faxed me the tour schedule, Matt. And (laughs) I did an interview in a golf cart parking lot with this guy. And I got the job. The golf cart parking lot thing is a different story. But the tour was for a charity event. They were going to a different city every week. We were setting up a racetrack in Kmart parking lots. And kids were racing modified lawn tractors around this obstacle course. And we were going to travel around and, and set up this event and do it. I thought, well, great. I don't know what this is, but I get to travel around to a different city every week. This sounds like a really cool, different type of job. And it certainly was. Well, it turns out that's a whole industry called experiential marketing. Have you ever seen the Oscar Mayer Wiener Mobile, Matt? The the big giant hot dog that drives around the country. Have you ever seen that thing? I think so. Actually, what comes to mind is uh, I've been to the Milwaukee Brewers ballpark and they have like <laughs> wiener races around on the seventh inning stretch. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, those those ones are kind of, yeah, those are the most famous mascots, I think, in baseball. But yeah, um, yeah. no, this is just like a custom vehicle. Anyway, this whole industry is based around companies creating these experiential experience-based events where you travel around and you run these events. And I was tour manager for various events that traveled around all over the US and they were contract jobs. So in between, I would travel overseas. So I did end up taking that first solo backpacking trip to Europe. And that's where I 
realized this is before there were all these travel blogs online and things. I used to just through inner good old fashioned interaction with people, I started to realize, wow, there are a lot of people traveling and they're traveling for years, some of them, or indefinitely. And I'm thinking in my small mindset, I'm just thinking, oh, well, I'll get to go to Europe for a couple months and that'll be like my big trip of a lifetime and then I'll have to get a job and blah, blah, blah. But as it turns out through all these conversations, there are a lot of ways you can travel the world. <laughs> and so I became really fascinated with this. And I know some other travelers get bored with the hostile type conversation. Oh, where are you traveling? Where, where have you been? That sort of thing. You know, it's kind of the typical traveler conversation. I'm always interested. I never get bored with that conversation because I really am curious at how people do this, how they travel indefinitely or long-term or full-time. So I just got really interested in that lifestyle and I started to realize, wow, this can be my life. My life can be traveling and I can just build everything around that. And that's essentially what I did. And maybe early on, it wasn't so intentional, just kind of happened organically. And how it did was just by following my passion for travel. And then I started getting really excited about sharing this with others because people would ask me, well, how are you doing this? And you know, a lot of my friends were in traditional jobs and things like that, or people we would just interact with through our work. And I just would always enjoy kind of explaining it to people and letting people know because I always like to learn from other people as well. So I just got really excited about sharing this. And eventually, after a long time of traveling and doing all these jobs and starting a business and all the things you mentioned, started the Zero to Travel podcast to, to start sharing these stories and helping people discover different ways they can travel the world on their terms, no matter what their situation or experience. And that's what I do over there. That's amazing. And I'm about three quarters through your five-year anniversary episode right now where you talk about how to be a better traveler. And it's fantastic. I highly recommend specifically that episode. Actually, do you know what episode? Can we shout that out so people can download it? Because I really think it's an important one. I actually don't have episode numbers in front of my episodes. Uh, who is the, what's the name of the guest? Do you remember? Uh, it's Rob Greenfield. I've had him on three times. Uh, and the episode published, if you're listening to this whenever, you can just look in the feed. It published in November of 2018. So you can find it that way. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's a really good one. I can give you the link too if you want to link up to it in the show notes. Yeah, we'll link up everything, uh, of course, on iTunes, but on the Under 30 Experiences blog. Uh, Jason, I, I wanted to ask you actually about, I, I know you thoroughly enjoy having travel conversations, uh, but one, you alluded to the hostile conversation that often can be surface level or as I understand what people don't like about it. And I've I totally understand. You'll have a conversation with from with the person in a hostel, and they'll be like, you know, backpacking for three months through Central America, and they'll want to talk about like, oh yeah, you know, I went to Lake Atilan, but it was a little bit too crowded, and then I decided to go to uh, San Juan del Sur, but the waves weren't any good, so then I decided to go to the rainforest uh, in Costa Rica. And uh, it was cool, but Costa Rica is really like expensive. And, <laughs> you know, you get these kind of conversations. And after enough, I'm mean, like, all right, can we just enjoy it or talk about something or this, you know, the, the prices and what they thought. It's they're very judgmental conversations at times. And people can kind of be down on the their luck or the superficiality or the price or or whatever. But 
Can you talk to everybody about how to have a good conversation with a fellow traveler? <laughs> That's a great question. Well, first of all, we should say, if anybody's somehow hearing the word hostile for the first time, we mean hostile as in accommodations, not a hostile conversation, right? <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> but I think it's just about asking questions, being genuinely curious, and then listening. Those are really the three basic things. And if you really listen to people, you know, you mentioned you kind of sort of painted this avatar of a, of a person that's maybe a bit of a whiny traveler for whatever reason. Sure. But maybe that person's not normally like that. You know, maybe you just happen to be crossing their path after they've been on, you know, several chicken buses through Central America and they're just tired and maybe you're catching them on a bad few days or whatever. So, in order to really, I think, get connected with somebody, we have to be present with them, truly present. And I mean, that's something I've definitely improved on, I think, through the podcast work is, you know how it is when you're, when you're chatting with somebody in the podcast, you're just so engaged because you're in that flow of the conversation and you really have to be. <laughs> you don't want to get lost when you're hosting a podcast. And anything you do like that in business, creative projects, whatever, I think can translate to other aspects of your life. So there are always positive things that can come out of those things. And that type of skill, I don't know whether you're, you know, some people are born introverted or extroverted or whatever. That's a whole other conversation. But I can tell you managing the events and the type of work I did was a, a good practice ground. I mean, I was a touring professional for a decade plus. And I didn't work in behind a laptop in an office. I was out engaging with people. That was my job, was to make people comfortable, to welcome them to an event site, to make people that I was on tour comfortable with. If I was guiding a tour with the Adventure Travel Company, when I was a tour manager for a band, it was about making the crew comfortable and also facilitating that with the venue and all these things, right? So there's all you're wearing all these hats throughout the day. And it's just something that I learned over time and something that you practice at like anything else. And I think that's really a key thing too. I think it's easy to kind of say, oh, well, that person's just a natural conversationalist and I don't feel comfortable with that or whatever. But it's like anything else. You practice. You practice asking questions and listening and truly listening and trying to stop your mind from thinking about the next thing you're going to say Instead, just listening and really taking in what they're saying and, and understanding it and trusting that you'll be able to carry the conversation based on what they say. So I don't know if this is answering your question, but sure. I think that's something I'm always practicing because really connecting with somebody, it's not just a practice thing. I mean, it's like a great life skill. It's so nice to be able to connect with other human beings on a real level. And in, in order to do that, it's just again, not getting lost in your mind and just really engaging. So for what it's worth, there's my advice. <laughs> no, that's cool. And what do you say to people who are more introverted because they may be good listeners, but I'll even give you a personal example. I think six years ago when I first started traveling, I was more extroverted and I was staying in hostels and I was looking for a party every so often. And Every so often, Matt. Every Don't you so lie often. To us. Well, I'll tell you, and I was <laughs> I was single too, right? So that was a lot. I guess of course you're going to be more out, outgoing, right? When you're trying to meet people. Sure. And so 
that to me, but now I feel that when I'm traveling, I have less conversations with strangers. And maybe it's in part because, all right, well, I'm traveling with my girlfriend or I am focused more. I have more work to do, right? So I sit down in a cafe and I'm looking to get some work done, not chat with the traveler next to me. Uh, But I'm curious how you can start more meaningful conversations with people. Yeah, well, just going back to what you said, that the personal example of being more extroverted now feeling more introverted. And I can relate to that. And I think I'm somewhere in the middle and I flip-flop back and forth. But when all's said and done, those are just labels we can slap on ourselves, right? Now, some people might go up in arms listening to this and saying, but I know I'm introverted and that's just the way I am. And that might be true, but that doesn't mean necessarily that you're going to be that way forever for the rest of your life. So I think we can tend to kind of lock in on this idea of who we are and forget that we're constantly changing. We're not the same person that we were six months ago. It's not just our physical bodies that are changing. Our interests are changing and everything like that. That's why I talk about all these different ways to travel because I feel like at different parts of people's lives, certain modes of travel, whether it's like the actual mode of travel or style of travel or whatever you want to call it, you know, being open to trying different things based on what you're interested in right now. So you can you can be interested in travel, but you can also blend that with your other interests are in life or the lifestyle that you want to have. So you don't want the the party anymore, right? So you're not going to stay in the party hostel. Sure. You might stay in the mellow hostel and get the private room, or you might just stay in a guest house and you just, it changes your travel experience. And it's not better or worse. It's just who you are right now. And it's, you're matching who you are right now. You're matching your travel experience up with that. So you can set yourself up in a way that is comfortable for you. Like you said, you want to have time to work, you're not engaging with people, not because you're not a nice person, but just because you're right in that moment, you need to get some things done. Sure. That's okay too, right? So I think we just have to be really careful with what we say we are. So if you're listening to this and you're like, well, I'm too introverted. I don't think I could handle you know, starting conversations with people and things like that. Go on a trip by yourself and... Just have that experience. And you might find that people are easier to talk to than you think. If you really do struggle still and you're comfortable with staying in a hostel or you want to try it out if you've never done it, stay in a hostel and just hang out in a common room. Even if you don't talk to anybody, eventually somebody is going to talk to you. And I do believe that in order to get comfortable with something we're uncomfortable with, we have to do it and be uncomfortable for a little while. That's just the way it works, right? And that's for everything. And it's not necessarily fun in the beginning. You might be peeing your pants as you're going up to talk to somebody. But when you're traveling and you're in that type of situation, I think it's one of the easiest places to connect with people because you already know you have this thing, this common love, which is travel, right? Chances are, if a person's staying there with you, they're, they're into travel also. Now, if you're walking into a bar in New York City and you're going to go up that's to me that's more scary to go up and talk to somebody at a bar where I don't know anything about them and I don't really know what any of their interests are that's exciting but it can make me more nervous than going up to somebody and talking to them at a hostel because I know we at least have this one thing in common and then there's all sorts of questions that you could ask around your 
shared interest in travel. So I think the best way to connect with people, again, is just to open up a conversation, find an excuse to do that, and figure out what some things you have in common are. Build those common bridges. And that's how you start a conversation. And don't take offense if you're sitting next to Matt, for example, and you're at a cafe and and you're too busy and it doesn't seem like you want to talk. Don't take it so personally, right? It's not that it's going to be something that you said that's uninteresting or whatever. It's just that Matt needs to get some work done in that moment, right? So we got to kind of take some of the personal offense out of it that, you know, try not to get offended because we can't control what other people think, right? Sure. Absolutely. Makes sense. And and hopefully when I'm sitting at the bar, right, I, I love to go to a bar and I'll have a beer and I'll sit and I'll talk to the bartender and yeah. they usually know the scoop about town and there'll be other people probably at the bar who you might chime in their conversation. You might not, but you're going to learn. It's a good place to learn a little bit more about the culture of, of uh, wherever you happen to be traveling. Totally. It's a great place to practice too, because you have a captive audience because they can't go anywhere. If they're waiting on you, they have to talk to you, right? Yeah. So... It is a good place to practice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel bad for for bartenders and <laughs> and of course, you know, when you when you have God, I, I seem like a terrible person on this episode, but when there is that person who is there just to have the captive audience and you don't want to engage with them because you know they're going to talk your ear off for 45 minutes and it's going to be hard to get out of the conversation. You know, you know that person. I I know you do, Jason. Yeah. Well, I mean, everybody's been there that the quintessential travel example is on the plane, you know? Right. Say you're just this early morning flight. You're not in the mood. You you can be a nice person and still not be in the mood and, and be grumpy and be standoffish because you just don't really want to get into that right now. That doesn't mean you're not a nice person, you know? And that's that's okay. That's true. And yeah, with the headphones in, I mean, it's sad in the way because you could be engaging with the world around you, but you know, I, th- I think about this often is that when I download podcasts, I am listening to some of the smartest, most brilliant people that I can find to hear about their ideas. Probably something more interesting, unfortunately, than the person in the seat next to me on the airplane. Not that, that they're not a great person, but you know, our time is limited on the planet, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it depends on how you look at it, right? I'll take, for example... I just read the Beastie Boys book, which is a biography that they wrote about their lives and their band and everything they did. And I can get inspired and learn from that, even though it's a completely different experience than reading a business book or listening to a business podcast or whatever the case is. So I I personally draw a lot of inspiration and lessons and things that I can bring to my work creatively or to my life in general from hearing experiences that are outside of my typical bubble. So I think it's really easy for us, especially if you're listening to this and you're interested in you know, lifestyle business or four-hour work week and the digital nomad scene and all that type of stuff, like anything. Like if you're interested in tennis, for example, you can get into this bubble and then just everything you consume is that, right? But then you sit down on a plane next to somebody and you talk to somebody whose job is... I don't know, they're a sculptor. Or it could be a less sexy job. They, they're an insurance salesperson. Well, I don't know. There's probably a lot to learn about sales or at least one or two lessons. Maybe they're one of the top salespeople. You know what I mean? Like I think sure. 
I think there's something to learn from everybody if you're open about it. And that doesn't mean, I understand what you're saying, but this is how, again, how we view our time and are we going through life where like, okay, right now I'm in this mode where I want to be productive. So I'm going to consume things that I know are going to enhance my business in some way. I'm going to study SEO through this podcast or whatever the case is. Or am I going to kind of shut that off and kind of open up to other things? I mean, I think this is a big dilemma for a lot of us, right? And especially entrepreneurs where you're, you're kind of, you want to take advantage of what they would call windshield time, right? Time you're uh, driving to work and you can listen to podcasts and learn. Right. I've never heard that term, but yeah, I like it. Yeah, that's a term. And uh, I didn't make it up. That's just a term. And that's kind of what you're talking about. And is there also value in just sitting in your car and not listening to anything except your thoughts? I believe there's a lot of value to that as well. So there's no right or wrong. Yeah, it's a it's just a modern day struggle, and I probably sounded really snobby when I when I said that I'd rather listen to my favorite podcaster than whatever the person <laughs> next to me. But it's no, I I didn't mean for that to come off that way. And I, oh no, I I didn't think that you thought that, but I, <laughs> I I'm quite aware of how I sounded, especially after the whole bit on the disgruntled travel, the hostile talk as well. I don't want to sound like I'm better than anybody, Mateo. I don't disagree <laughs> with you though. Sure. It's modern life. Because there's just times where you just, hey, man, you got a podcast queued up. You're going to learn some shit about your business and you're excited to listen to that motherfucker, right? <laughs> sure, sure. And I mean, and and the point that you made about the Beastie Boys biography, absolutely. There's a lot of cool things that you could learn from that. It doesn't have to be a business podcast. I just read Tiger Woods' new biography and I thought it was fascinating for a number of different reasons. It was a little bit out of the realm of what I would normally read, but I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed the book. It taught me a lot of things, both about success and how to screw it up and other. (laughs) Yeah, it's a crazy story. It It was cool. I might have to check that out. By the way, I don't even curse on my own podcast. I don't know why I just went off like that. I think because I'm three cups of coffee in and I also was born outside of Philadelphia. So every once in a while, all of that kind of converges into dirty words. So I apologize. If, hey, you know. I could tell you were from the Northeast. <laughs> I'm from Poughkeepsie, New York, even though I have no New York accent, I don't I don't think. Uh, but yeah, I could hear that. <laughs> don't you worry. We won't have to delete the episode. Damn, Jason. All right. I know that your your time is limited here, but if people want to travel more, I know this is a hard fucking question. <laughs> what would you tell them? Most people that I finish an interview with, if I if I ask them something like along the lines of that, they usually say just do it. Right? So it sounds like a cliche answer which is like, well, just do it. And it is, but it's also truth, right? And then the question becomes, okay, just do it. But how do I do it? Well, I have all these bills. I have my health insurance. I have kids in school and I don't want to take them. All these different questions. And the best way to do it is to, first of all, embrace that it's something you want to do and make it your number one priority. And then you start making your decisions through that lens. So if, if you are somebody who wants to try this, I'll give you a perfect example. There's a guy in listens to my show that wrote me an email and I was like, I got to talk to this guy. So 
We set up a Skype call. I called him up. We actually recorded it because he had made so many changes to his life so quickly once he decided to travel and prioritized it. He was working at a regular nine to five job and commuting an hour each way in Atlanta. And he said, I don't want to do this anymore. So what he did, first he got rid of a bunch of his stuff and he moved out of his place and like rented a room somewhere or he got a roommate. I can't remember which, but he basically cut his mortgage by more than half. Then he decided, well, I want to do this quicker and I want to save more. Then he moved into his car and got a second job. And so he was living out of his car. He would get up at 5.30 in the morning because he didn't want to spend tons of time in his car because there's nothing (laughs) for him to do there. So he'd get up at like 5.30 in the morning. He'd go to the gym because he had a gym membership. He would shower there. Then he would go to his regular job. Then he would finish his regular job. I don't know if he went back to the car and changed or whatever. And then he would go to his bartending shift. He got a job as a bartender. He would work till midnight or one and repeat. And then he quit his job and took the money he saved. He's living with his girlfriend for a couple months and they're going to South America in like four weeks or something. Now, I know everybody can't move into their car and do all the things that I just mentioned. But the point of his story and sharing it with you is that I think there are things we can all do when we prioritize something. And we can just look to our pasts for that, right? We know there's been times in our life where we've prioritized a certain... Maybe it's a thing we wanted to buy. Maybe we really wanted to get an iPad, right? So what did you do? Well, you skipped out on certain things and saved money for it. And whatever the case is, there's been times we've all done things like that. So it's just a matter of it being a starting point to reinvent your life and your lifestyle and have the intention of basing it around your travel goal or your travel goals. And you might be surprised at how resourceful you can be given the new mission to travel and taking taking your dreams seriously, which by the way, I think is one of the most important habits that anybody can develop is taking your own dreams seriously because it's one thing to say, oh, that would be awesome to do that someday. It's another thing to be like, okay, no, this is the thing I'm going to do. I'm going to make this happen. It might not happen this year. It might not happen in three years, but I am going to do this and building your priorities around that. So that's the advice I would give. That's awesome. And you have books. It looks like you even have your own, I don't know if it's a a publishing house or or a label, but I actually just clicked the book on international house sitting. And this one doesn't even look like it's by you. It looks like there's other people who've written that. So this is information that is available out there. So if people set their priorities, yeah, they can learn how to travel the world and stay anywhere for free. Uh, among the other things that you teach people how to do on your website. So I did want to give people a little bit of a primer uh, on what you have to offer. Yeah, cool. Thanks. Yeah, there are so many different ways to do it. And you know, it's one of those things you don't really know until you go out and do it if you're even going to like it. And that's okay too. Being on the road full-time isn't for everybody. And that's why when it comes to building the business stuff, like we have the community location Indie that you mentioned before, which is a membership community. And that's where we all help each other with our location-dependent businesses. And we do in-person meetups and everything like that. I do prefer the term location-independent to digital nomad generally just because it's more open to change with your life, right? So that might mean, hey, I'm going to be a digital nomad for two years. And then most digital nomads get burnt out at some point and they don't want to 
just be nomadic all the time. They want to have a base, but then you can work from home and travel occasionally, whatever the case is. Now I live in Norway and I have two kids and I don't live nomadically anymore. I did that. It doesn't mean I won't do it again someday, but I also value the fact that I can still travel when I want to. We're actually going on a three-month sort of, call it sabbatical, but a three-month trip with the whole family. This will be the first time we're doing that. And um, you can still do these things or you can work from home and you get the opportunity to spend more time with your kids or whatever your priorities are in life at that moment. So there are a lot of different ways to live your life, man. Yeah. And it's it sounds like you've you've done it. And I appreciate that you're open to evolving because I see travel as a amazing vehicle for personal and professional growth at times. And I try to lay out models for people or bring people on like yourself who can point people in the right direction. But yeah, it's getting burned out on travel isn't isn't fun either. Getting homesick is not fun either. So this is important that you can design a life that's sustainable. Absolutely. And when you're living nomadically or traveling full-time or even long-term, or if you're just taking a gap year or whatever, you're not really traveling anymore. You're living your life on the road. So you're going to have, even if you're traveling for just a couple months or whatever the case, which is funny to say, because when I first went traveling for about six weeks, I thought that was an eternity until I met people that traveled for years. And I'm like, oh, my trip's short compared to these Australians or whatever. But you know, you, you're you going to have ups and downs. And that's cool too. I think, especially in this day and age, if you don't have the travel experience and you're getting inspiration from Instagram and blog posts and things that aren't that are just painting the picture of it's all rainbows and unicorns or whatever the expression is, then you can't understand what challenges you're going to face until you hit the road. And, you know, we're all going to face challenges in life, whether we're traveling around or whether we're sitting at home working a full-time job that we hate or love or whatever. There's going to be ups and downs. But I agree with you that travel for people that want to do it as a tool for self-development and learning and growth and everything like that, it just provides immeasurable opportunities for all of that and more. And I think it's a big mistake to look at investing money in travel as like some people might look at it as, oh, well, this is money wasted because you're just spending money on a trip. You're not getting anything out of it. And it's not like if you took $10,000 and traveled around the world for six months or whatever. Yeah. If you invested that same $10,000 in a, a Vanguard index fund, then you can measure what that money brings you back over time, right? So five years from now, that money will be worth... You could go check it five years from then and you could see how much it's worth. Five years after traveling around the world for six months, you can't measure it in that way. But if you could, could it potentially be worth more? Monetarily even? Absolutely. I mean, I wouldn't even have these businesses that I have now doing something I enjoy, helping people travel if I never traveled in the first place. You just don't know where things are going to go. It's easy to put a dollar value on travel, of course, because it costs money to travel. But what you can't measure is how it's going to impact your life and what can come out of it and how it can help you six months from now, 10 months from now, four years from now, 14 years from now. You might reflect back on something you learned from a trip 
it just changes you. It can't. Every experience, it can't not. Everything that you do changes you or impacts you in some way. So it's a beautiful thing. Well said. Well said. Uh, yeah, I am not even close to the same person that I was six years ago before I, right. I started traveling. And uh, I mean, God knows how much I've invested in travel at this point, but it's also built this incredible business and this incredible community, uh, much like you've been able to do. And so that has, and of course, paid off financially, but just the experience of it all. I mean, yeah, I know everybody talks about, oh yeah, millennials, they, they have this big trend. They want to spend money on experiences over the material things. But I mean, my God, it's true. Like it's a bad thing. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It, it catches headlines, but man. I'm not a millennial, but I get, I, I really don't like when millennials get a bad rep like that because I think that's the smart choice. And people that are knocking that are just, maybe some of them are just bitter that they didn't do that, you know? Sure, sure. <laughs> I mean, look, my mom is a homebody through and through. She does not like to get on an airplane for anything. And every time I talk to her, she's she always says, I'm so happy that you get to have these experiences. And yeah, that's great. Yeah. And and, and she didn't necessarily have that opportunity. Uh, I mean, yeah, she could have, I don't know, studied abroad probably, or or sure she could have found a found a job abroad or who knows what, but it's not like this day and age where it's literally at our fingertips and, and the ability to, to make money online is, is right there or, or to find, forget having a, a business online to find the ways to find an organic farm where you can go and volunteer and learn sustainability and all this stuff. I mean, the list goes on and on. I don't have to tell you. Yeah. I mean, we're very privileged in the time that we're at right now. And Certainly take advantage of it if you can. And, you know, your point for some of the other generations, I mean, like they necessarily didn't didn't necessarily have a choice in many ways. And, uh, you know, we're very fortunate. So if travel is something you love to do or want to do, you want to fill your life with as much travel as, as you can, then just prioritize it. And, you know, like you said, I mean, I think people underestimate, and present company included, I'm talking about myself, sometimes we can underestimate our own resourcefulness, our own ability to make things happen when they need to happen. And, you know, some resourcefulness and a little faith that things are going to work out goes a long way with living a travel-based lifestyle. Hell yeah. Well, I think that's a great place to end. I know that you got to run here, but Jason, if people want to reach out to you, connect with you on social media, or become part of your community, I highly recommend your podcast. Where can people find you? Yeah, if you like podcasts, Zero to Travel, uh, Zero T-O Travel. And if you don't want to listen to it and you just want to sit in your car and have silence, then that's fine too. <laughs> highly recommend it as well from time to time. <laughs> yes. And Location Indie, I-N-D-I-E, is the community is that specific to helping people that want to become location pen entrepreneurs or are currently and want to connect with other people that are running businesses while they travel and are just really, really interested in building their lifestyles around travel and creating a lifestyle business and sustaining it. So 
those are the main things. And then I'm Twitter at zero to travel. But if you just go to zero to travel.com or listen to the podcast, you can find it all. Jason Moore, do you have a nickname? I can't believe I'm terrible when people ask me a question and then they expect me to reciprocate with the same question back. I somehow never do. I don't know why. Oh, I didn't. I, I was hoping you would. And I didn't even ex- think about that. Do you have a Norwegian name? No, man. I don't really. I mean, you know, my nickname has always fluctuated depending on what circles I'm in. So my business partner calls me Jay Bird. That was an old nickname. He he came up with it on his own, but I hadn't heard that nickname since I worked at a restaurant in ninth grade. So, and then I was Jay Bird there, you know? And then in college, I was Jay Mo. My name's Jason Moore. So I don't know. It just depends on the person. You know, you get these nicknames. Who knows where they come from? I have about a million of them for my daughter and I don't even know where they come from sometimes. <laughs> well, I won't I won't call you daddy, but I will call you J-Mo. How's that? <laughs> that sounds good, Mateo. Sounds good, sir. Well, we'll have to do this again. It was a pleasure and uh, appreciate you. Thank you very much for coming on. Thanks for having me.